We're going to be going to uh, Psalm 119 as we continue uh, speaking on the subject of positive mental attitude, being positive in, in all things. Let's uh, go together to God in a word of prayer, please. Our great King, we are just elated to be able to pray to you, knowing that you hear us and that you respond, asking Lord God, your blessing upon each of us, that as we read your word, that you will speak to us, and that we know your word never goes out without accomplishing what you desire, and we're thankful for that. Strengthen our hearts and give us what we need, Lord God, to continue to remain faithful to you throughout the rest of this week. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. Psalm 119. Sometimes it's the last place that we go to for, uh, for answers. But it has to become routine to become the first place that we go to for answers. And that's the Bible, right? It, ha- it has to become the book that we go to first uh, because it has, in principle, all of the answers right, to our situations. So, Psalm 119, uh, if we go there every day and we read the Bible every day, then God's going to give us what we need for our day. And that's what we need, right? Um, We're going to begin at verse 103. The question tonight in in opening up this lesson this evening is, what is the Bible to you? We know it's the Word of God and we could give a bunch of scriptures um, as to what the Bible is, but what is it to you? As you read it and think about it and as you meditate upon it, what is it to you? The second part of that question is, what does it do for you? Right? What does it do for you? What does it do to you? So the first question is, what is the Bible to you? The second is, what does the Bible do for you? What does it do to you? So we'll look at that uh, scripture first and then we will uh, discuss that for just a moment. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are thy words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 128, please. Therefore I esteem right all thy precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Thy testimonies are wonderful Therefore, my soul observes them. The unfolding of thy words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. All right. What is the word of God? What does it mean to you? What is it to you? The psalmist says, it's the book of books. (laughs) I mean, it's everything to me. My guide, my light. Um, I value it. It's, it's sweet. The words are sweet uh, and, and, and a blessing, right? And a gift to this, the writer. Um, but what is it to you? That's important, right? What is it to you? Any, any questions, any thoughts? Yes. It gives you, what was the last part of that? It gives you peace. And draws you closer to God. It's great. 
So that makes you want to read it every day, right? Like throughout the day, right? Gives me peace. So if I'm in chaos, you're saying, I can go to the Bible and read it and it will give me peace and it will, it will give me sustenance. It's going to give me everything I need, right? It's going to draw me away from evil and draw me closer to God. Yeah, that's right. That's all biblical too. What else? What does it mean to you? Or what is it to you? The Bible. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a source of hope and encouragement. It, it gives us everything that we need, and um, but we have to open it, right? <laughs> you ever read about the college student that he asked his dad for money um, going to college, and his dad will take care of him, and his dad said, I will. Um, and he said, just take one gift with you when you go. And he, his dad had a, a new Bible boxed up, uh, meaning it came in its original box. It was unpackaged, you know, as far as the plastic. But anyway... Um, Sent the boy off to school, and a couple of years later, the, the boy became resentful toward his father because his father never kept his word, never helped him. Every time he called for help, his dad would say, hey, you got to give it to God. And, and then he would call and ask for help, and he would say, you know, the Lord is good. And that's all the dad would ever say. And uh, two years into his college education, he finally opened up the Bible, and all the money he ever needed was there. It's a big old check. Problem is he never opened it. <laughs> right? So not only is it a source of encouragement and everything that we need, but um, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, you have to open it up, right, in order to, get, to gain that. And, and, um, but we've walked away from the Bible, haven't we, in our world today. We've kind of walked away, right, because, you know, we start questioning, you know, is God even right? right? Is God even right? I got that question this week back in a Bible study. Um, now, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it gives you confidence because it is instruction in the, in the truest form. It, it doesn't offer apologies either, does it? Does it hurt sometimes? Oh, yeah, right? It stings, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it stings, right? So um, when I think about the instruction of God, yes, I'll get you back there in a second. Oh, Sister Barbara, go ahead. Ah. So the instruction helps to keep us on the right path, you know, because we, it's fun to go right or left until you get into trouble, and then you want to come right back. I used to talk to people, and I go, well, if you know you're eventually going to come back to the right path, why don't you just stay on it? <laughs> I mean, why go way over there and then come all the way back and exert all that energy if you know you're going to come back anyway? Just stay put, right? And so it gives us instruction. So, so it, it stings a little bit which um, is a clue to me that says, when I pray before I study, I ought to ask God to help me to see what I need to see for me, right? So when I read the Bible, I'm not reading it to find out anything about anyone else. I want to know what God wants me to know about me. And that stings sometimes. It's a good sting, that's right. That's correct. And he's, he's, um, he's heard you. Yeah. Yeah, how great. Yes. Nope. Okay. Um, 
Second part of that, that question, what does the Word of God mean to you? Um, so first of all, what it means to us is, is, is what the psalmist says, but to personalize it is important, right? It's not just to read the Bible and regurgitate what the Bible says. It's to read the Bible and let the Word of God sink deeply into our hearts, right, into our minds, so that it becomes our necessary food, right? It becomes our everyday thought. It becomes our everyday desire, right, to read. I just can't wait to hear what God wants me to hear today. So, talking this week, um, if you read the book of Proverbs, it's kind of interesting how Proverbs is written. It's, uh, there's 31 chapters, and what do we have pretty much every month? We have 30 days, right? And occasionally we have 31. So some on, on one day, you're going to read two chapters. If you read one chapter a day, you go through the whole book of Proverbs. You can do that every day for 12 months. You know how many times you would have read God's wisdom about staying on the right path? Sticking to the instruction. And then when you get really excited, then just jump over to Ecclesiastes and add that in there. Only 12 chapters. It's pretty simple reading, right? And it's a continual reminder of staying with God and staying um, on the path and allowing God's word to speak to you and grow you and teach you and encourage you and uplift you and take you to that next level. So uh, what an amazing, what an amazing masterpiece that God has given to us. Now, um, life, we would all say and agree, is not perfect. So isn't it good when life isn't perfect to go to the perfect? Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Psalm 19 now. Psalm 19, verse 7. Life is not perfect, so it makes sense that when we're living in a world of imperfection, to go to that which is perfect to keep us on the straight and narrow. Right? And so you have to love. So, so the first, um, what, six verses, they start out with the sun and kind of the whole idea of uh, orbit and all, the, you know, all that good stuff. And now the sun does its job, and, and the moon does its job, and, and, and then it goes. And you know what? And we see it every day, and it's undeniable. No one can debate it, right? Every day, we see it every day. And by the way, when we see the sun every day, it's a reminder, the S-U-N, sun, is a reminder every day that Jesus Christ is still sitting on the throne. That's in your Bibles, right? So you see the sun, it's doing its job every day. The moon does its job. The whole, the whole system, right, is doing what it's supposed to do, and it's perfect, right? We know it's perfect because it's still working the same way it's always worked. So then God says, okay, now if you can get that. I love how the Old Testament moves us from the physical to the spiritual, right? So you get the physical. You look up to the sun, the moon, etc. The verse 7 steps in and says, listen to the spiritual. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb comb. Moreover, by them that servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Who can discern his errors? Equip me from hidden faults. Also keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. 
Let them not rule over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Powerful chapter, right? Psalm 19 is just powerful. Just you grab it and you go, all right, in a world of imperfection, we have the perfect, right? We, we have the words of God, the words of the Holy Spirit. We just have to pick the book up and read it. So, so, the, so picking the Bible up and reading it, just a question that is rhetorical. Picking the Bible up and reading it every day, will it not give you a positive mental attitude? Of course. It's the perfect in the midst of chaos. It's the perfect in an imperfect world. The problem is, what? Good, we all said it together. We don't read it enough. Right? Maybe we do, but most of the world, the world doesn't, and, and many Christians don't. Because you, if, you don't, if you don't want it, you're not going to go for it. But if you want it, and, it, and it's something that's, that's all that we've spoken of, and it's sweet, and it's beautiful, and it's, it, it's, it's going to do what we need it to do, if you trust it, it will guide you. It will lead you. It will direct you. It will, it will help you. It will do something to you that you didn't think it would do every time, right? Every single time. I remember a preacher taught me a long time ago when I was going to college, learning, you know, counseling and things. He says, well, you know, uh, you, you want me to teach you how to, how to get out of your, your, uh, your negative thinking and your anger, frustration? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, give me a philosophical idea ready for it. He said, pick your Bible up and open it any way you want and just start reading. And don't stop. And you know what's going to happen? You're either going to go to sleep, <laughs> but I tell you this, you're going to forget what you're angry about real fast. Right? And because it's going to clear your conscience. You know, is it really worth it? Why am I so angry about this? Um, let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 2. I want to start looking at formulas now. Uh, so formulas with, with the ideas of a thought process. So a negative attitude is a choice. And I know sometimes life, you know, I'm not teaching the lesson saying, oh, look, we're all, we're all perfect. We shouldn't, you know, get upset sometimes. Or we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're going to handle things wrong sometimes. We're not going to always be right. We know that. But a formula for success um, in maintaining a positive mental attitude is twofold. Number one, it's an inward look. And that's important. And I'll come back to the inward look a little bit later in our lesson series. You have to look inwardly, but we, we are um, naturally going to look outwardly. Right? So when you look outwardly, the question is, what are we looking at? That's, that's the question. What are we looking at? So we normally focus and fixate our minds on the issue, right? which may be um, disguised in a person, right? even though Ephesians 6 tells us that um, you know, humanity, verse 12, they're not our enemies, right? It's Satan, right? So we kind of get that. But let's look at this idea and think about this, this formula, this Bible, Bible principles. They really, truly work. You just got to believe them, right? So a very simple verse with a tremendous depth of, uh, of meaning. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to explain. We'll come back to that in just a moment, but let's get the context. Have this attitude. So the first thing we're talking about tonight is attitude, right? A positive mental attitude. But before we look at this, the question is, 
Would you say that Jesus Christ had a positive mental attitude or a negative mental attitude? Positive, right? Why? I mean, how could he? Go ahead. What do you think? Okay, he's Jesus. He's, he's God. He, he knew who he was, didn't he? He knew who he was. He said, I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going back. Right? He knew who he was. And that's really important, having a positive mental attitude. You have to know who you are. Who are you? Well, I'm Tony Cloud. No. You're a Christian. You're a child of the king. That's who you are. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? He was always in the spiritual, wasn't he? Yes. Right. 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 So he not only knew what he, who he was, um, he was focused, right? He's he's. I, he was focused. I mean, right? So life is, what is Satan trying to do to us? Keep us off our focus. Where should our focus be always? Where? Yeah, on Christ, right? Which also means in heaven. So what Jesus did was, so watch this really tricky thing. He was all man and all God at the same time, which, right? I don't know the answer for that. But, so Jesus lived in two places, physically on the earth, spiritually where else? Where was he living? He was in heaven, wasn't he? Now, the heroes of faith tells us, Hebrews 11, verse 13 through 15, tells us that the heroes of faith, they weren't focused on the earth and in a city. They were focused on what? Heaven. Yeah, right? The heavenly city. So the question this, morning, this evening for us is, is our focus earthly or is it heavenly? You see, that's how we as God's people gain a positive mental attitude because we have a heavenly focus. In other words, this world is not it, right? So um, I remember hearing a brother always say, Brother Larry would always say, hey, you know what, Tony? I say, what? He said, it's all going to burn up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, he always said that, you know. Yeah, I'm having, some, I'm having trouble with this, but you know what? It's going to burn up anyway. Who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? It's like, okay, he's always looking to the end. So we have to keep our minds in heaven even though we're living physically on the earth. You think that'll make you a better husband or a better wife? Right? Better Christian, better employee, better employer. It make us better people because we're focused on something that's, in, that's critical, and that is we're passing through this place to get to the next place. Right? And we're reminding ourselves of that all the time, and so our focus is fixated, as uh, the Hebrew writer says in chapter 12, it's focused on Jesus. Right? the author and finisher or perfecter of the faith. So we're looking at the perfect. Now, if you're, if you're training for um, something, whatever it might be, do you go to someone that has no clue what they're doing? Or do you go to someone that really knows what they're doing? Right? So Jesus is the author and perfecter. We have to look to Jesus. We could ask ourselves the question, you know, we, we have a, a bumper sticker. It's almost a, a pretend one now. What would Jesus do? No one cares what Jesus would do. <laughs> Not in those situations, right? But in reality, we have to ask ourselves, how can I be more like Jesus, right? Because people really don't ask that question when someone's behind you honking the horn. You ever heard the lady that she was, she, she had a stick, bumper sticker on the back of her car, honk if you love Jesus? And they were in traffic and a man behind her was honking his horn and he just kept honking? She got out of her car. Why do you keep honking your horn at me? <laughs> he pointed to the bumper sticker. She felt ashamed, right? <laughs> if you love Jesus. Okay, so watch what, watch what happens now. Okay, so on the earth, how can I 
how can I keep my mind focused in heaven while living on the earth? It's difficult because I am a physical being. My mind always reverts to the physical first, right, instead of the spiritual. And I need to kind of make that transformation from the physical to the spiritual. But what's the easiest way to do that? Have this attitude in yourself which also was in Christ Jesus. How do you do that? This is what it tells us. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each one of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So, to break that down in just a really short sentence or word, serve. Right? Serve. Just serve people. <laughs> what can I do for you, Lord? Serve. See, that, that breaks that whole thing down because what we're going to get into is how Jesus served, right? How he came from heaven as a servant as opposed to being a king. Serve. Serve is a great word. It's something that we, we know every day there's something you can do for someone else. Every day, right? Whether it be just offer a smile, whether it be, um, you know, court runs people down in, in the shopping mall and he trips them up and then he says, let me pray for you. No, just kidding. But, you know, serve, right? Serve. Serve, serve your, your husband, serve your wife, serve your children, serve your boss, serve your work, you know, mate. Serve, serve each other, serve. There's always something to do in the realm of service. That keeps my mind focused on heaven. I want to be a heavenly-minded individual. How do you do that? You ask God, what do you want me to do for you today? Right? Serve. Right? That word serve became a negative word. But it's really a positive word. It's where we get our spiritual power because then we're most like Jesus. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, right? He came to serve, not to be served. And so what was he doing throughout his life? Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus. What was he doing throughout his ministry on the earth? Serving, right? So we serve physically, and then we learn how to transition that mindset into serving spiritually, right? But we, we got to start somewhere. So serve physically, serve each other, serve our husbands, serve our wives, serve our children, serve our parents, etc., right? And then we'll be able to transition that into serving spiritually, and we're always serving God, the Master. God, what can I do for you today, right? And so think about being a servant. Servant master. How does a servant talk to the Master, Right? In, from, a, from a worldly perspective on, on the earth. Well, respectfully, <laughs> kindly, whatever you want me to do. And, I, you know, I just, you know I, okay, whatever you, I mean, okay, I gotta, I'm on fries today if I work at McDonald's. Okay, all right, if that's my job to do fries. I'm going to do the best job at fry cooking or frying that I could ever do for Jesus. Some will go, boy, you sure do a good job with those fries. Hey, doing it for Jesus, right? <laughs> well, you might even say, I'm, I'm doing it because you asked me to do it. I'm serving, even the lowest position to the highest position, to serve. So here's what Jesus said. Let's turn to Acts 20 in verse 35. Jesus said it. It's one of those things that Jesus, one of those words or sentences, uh, statements or phrases that Jesus said, but we never, we don't read where Jesus said it, except for Acts 20. It's nowhere else, you know, that... Uh, that is it's written in the, in the book, but it's written in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. And Luke reminds us that Jesus said it as he's talking about um, what Paul uh, himself 
said. The writer says in verse 35, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Sir, right? When did he say that? Not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, right? But he did say it, right? He told them. He taught them it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's think about that. Why is it, why is it a more blessed to be on the giving end than to be on the receiving end? What do you think? Which part warms our soul? Giving warms our soul, right? Yes. Yeah, giving is like, I mean, it's an opportunity. It, it, it does warm our soul. If you're on the receiving end, you have a need. And if I had an option or a choice to be on the giving end or the receiving end, I'd rather be the one who has been blessed by God to give to others than to be the one who has a need, right? I mean, and we, we understand we're on both sides. Yeah, to be able to give, right? To be able to give. It does warm our, it does something to us, doesn't it? So serving, um, I like how you said that, warms our soul. It, it does something to us. To be able to do something for someone else, even the smallest thing. What did Jesus say? Just a cup of cold water. Just a cup of cold water. There was a man who, um, we were in, in Soldatna, we were doing a clothing drive. He's from, he's a gypsy, right? So anyway. Anyway, and uh, he came by one day. I never saw this happen. And uh, he reminded me of it for the next five years that he saw me. He said, you know, when I came by here, I, I got clothing from the clothing drive. And he came by the building often. He walked by there often. He said, your son always gave me, he gave me a cup of cold water. I never saw it happen. No one saw it happen. And that's all he ever talked about. That's why I keep coming by here. He just gave me a cup of cold water. And Jesus said, just a cup of water, right? Just serving. That's it. Just serving. If I saw him today, he would say, hey, remember when your son gave me a cup of cold water? <laughs> he says it every, it must have meant, and I mean, I don't know what it meant to him. Other, I mean, I, I do now, but because he told me, but I would never have known what it meant to him had he not told me. It wasn't the food. It was a cup of cold water. And I learned later, he, he walks a lot, walks great distances from point A to point B. Obviously, he was tremendously thirsty that day, but it fulfilled something in him and uh, what a what a blessing it is to offer someone something that they'll say to you i'll never forget this and usually you know what it is it's something so 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 minor for us isn't it right i just i just gave you a ride across the street you know no you don't know what this means to me and we often don't we often don't right Uh, so jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive the bible says have this attitude in yourselves which also was in Christ Jesus. Jesus was one who served. Serving produces a positive mental attitude every time. Let's go back and look at the rest of Philippians chapter 2. Any comments or questions first? Philippians 2. Okay, have this attitude in yourself, which also is in Christ Jesus, verse 6. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. So, now, how do you explain that, right? Like, the, so, God said to God, <laughs> and, and to God, hey, God, if we make them, 
we have to die for them because they're going to sin. So then God said to God, hey, I'll go down and I'll, uh, I'll serve you in order to save them. I'll humble myself to you, God. And God said, okay, God. <laughs> it's conversation. He could have come as a king, but he didn't. He came homeless. Right? Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes. The Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. I wonder, I wonder sometimes when I, when I look at people, and I'm not necessarily saying homeless people, people in general, I wonder sometimes if, if I can see, if that were Jesus, would I be there to offer him a cup of cold water or offer him a slice of bread or give him a ride somewhere? And I know it's dangerous. I'm not trying to say, hey, give you know, folks, all the folks rides and things. You've got to follow your own intuition and uh, thought in that. But am I willing to serve the lowly? That's what I'm kind of speaking of or speaking towards. Am I willing to serve those who are maybe less than me? In my mind, right? Am I willing to serve even those who are greater than me? Am I willing just plain and simply to serve? What do you need me to do? How can I help? What can I do? That's what God's people do. That's so uniquely different from the rest of the world. Or the world, should I say, to serve. Our attitudes then um, become a wonderful display of the grace of God. And it does make us feel warm inside. It really does. Right? So Jesus came. Uh, he served the Father. Verse 7, please. And he was willing to empty. Right? I don't know everything that means. But he was willing to empty himself taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We'll look at emptied himself later. I've got a, a lesson I'll bring on that. But um, he, he did the unthinkable. Right? He did the unthinkable. Who would have ever thought if you were God, would you, would you have thought you know, I'm going to go die for these people. Or would you have come up with a different plan? My plan would have been far different. <laughs> I just would have said, okay, I'll forgive whom I want, and I'll just, the ones that I want to forgive, I'm not going to forgive. and just or, I'm not coming down here. <laughs> no, I, that's not me. right? Um, to serve. Now, a servant has to be very careful with this next verse. Let's go over to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. A servant has to be very careful. And I want to put you in this, in this scene, right? <clears throat> if I could for just, just a moment. I'm gonna, oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Let's go, we're gonna, let's go there next. Let's go to Philippians first. Chapter, chapter 2. I'm sorry. Uh, verse 13. A servant has to be very careful in this, in this scene. Okay? In this situation. Okay, so Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians next. Verse 13 through verse 15. Okay. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do nothing, or do all things rather, without grumbling or dispute. So put yourself in that, in that picture, right? 
You're at work and your boss comes by. And you're grumbling about your boss. What does that feeling feel like? <laughs> well, God says, don't do it to me either. Stop grumbling. See, attitude, attitude, I'm grumbling. Why? Because things aren't fair. I'm not getting what I want. When I, that's not a servant attitude. A servant attitude isn't about what, what you can give to me. It's about what I can give to you. Right? And I know we're going, what, you know, what about promotions? What about this? Just put it in the hands of God. Right? Do, do everything, all things, without grumbling, without complaining, because a servant can't complain. Right? Slave can't complain. If he does, there's consequences. We don't need to complain to God. Well, God, why did you make me like this? Would you prefer I'd done something different? You might not want to answer that question, right? Don't complain. It's, you ever, I, I've thought about this. I was, okay, there's a scripture that says, if we had lived in the days of the prophets, we would not have. And, and then God says, yeah, yeah, you would have. You would have killed the prophets. You ever thought about, what if I lived a thousand years ago? Or 2,000 years ago? What if I was alive during the days of Jesus? Well, before the days of Jesus, we lived outside all the time, right? We warmed by the fire. And what kind of person would I be? What if I lived back in, those, back in those days? Would I be a better person? Or would I be the same person that I am today? And the answer is, you'd be exactly what you are today. What if I lived right when Jesus was living? I walked with Jesus. I talked with Jesus. What would I be like then in comparison to what I'm like today? You'd be the same. Because you are who you are. And you can talk to Jesus now. Right? You can pray to him. And you can read the life and you see it. And so, actually, we get a better glimpse of it, don't we? We get a better vision of Jesus through the Bible versus having lived with him and walked with him. And God is saying to us, to have a a Christian mindset means stop complaining. That might sting a little bit, but Tracy said you started it, so it stings a bit. All right. Here's the reason why. It's in verse 15. That you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. We're different. Yeah, the world's not fair. It's not fair. Some terrible things go on. You haven't been treated fairly. I haven't been treated fairly. And God is saying, okay, but you're saved. What's your point? <laughs> right? This isn't your house. This isn't where you're going to live forever. You're going to just transition to the next place. So look, I need you to stay positive because the focus is, number one, to please God, and number two, save souls. I know who's not going to come to me if I'm the grumpy guy at work when they want to know about Jesus. I know who's not coming to me, right? I know that for a fact. But when I'm the guy, they go, you know, you just kind of let um, situations roll off your, your back like, like water on a duck's back, you know. Well, you know, no, it stings. It hurts, but I just take it to God. I just let God do it because I know God will do it. See, I have that kind of confidence and faith in God that God's going to take care of it. Do we have that kind of faith or confidence in God? And so we know that in the end, it's still going to work out. And like our friend Larry says, it's all going to burn up anyway. It doesn't really matter. All right. Now look at the next part. The next part of this, of this thought is it 
First Thessalonians, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 5 now. It makes the impossible possible. First Thessalonians chapter 5 makes the impossible possible. Because First Thessalonians chapter 5 has a really tall command to it. And um, is not necessarily easy. You have to work at it. All of us do. Right? Um, so look at what it says. Verse 16. Let me just stop right there. <laughs> Rejoice always. Like, oh, wait a minute, Lord. Now I can give you a thousand reasons today, Lord, why I am not feeling it. <laughs> right? I don't want to... Re- you have to have a positive mental attitude if you're going to rejoice always. You've got to look at things from a heavenly perspective. Right? You've got to see it from God's view. If you don't see it from God's view and you keep looking parallel, you're going to find issues with all of our thinking. We have to look vertically. We have to look up to heaven and then ask God to help us to see it from heaven down. Okay? And so here's what I want to do. I want to sidetrack just for a second. Uh, I want to go to Psalm 73. And I've given you this before, but I want to give it to you again because it really helps us with the perspective of um, being able to rejoice always. Okay? It's all about perspective. Right? Trying to see things from God's vantage point. When I look on the earth, I look parallel, it's tough. But when I look at it from God's perspective, I see something totally different. All right, so here's what the psalmist said says, let's get, uh, let's get through this. Surely God is good, verse 1, to Israel, to those who are pure at heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. Uh, my steps all, almost slipped. This is a priest, by the way. This is Asaph, who's a priest. For I was envious of the arrogant, as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. So he's talking about what he sees, right? The world, they got nice houses, and fast cars, and whatever else, right? All that, all that stuff. They're not in trouble as other men. They use God's name in vain, right? They, they say horrible things, and they're fine, aren't they? You see them on, you see them on TV all the time. I guess it's on television. I don't know. Um, they're, they're not in trouble as other men, um, nor are they plague like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. Uh, the imagination of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue uh, parades through the earth. And he's like, why are, they, why are they so blessed? We would say, right? Why are these guys so prosperous? Why don't God just come down and zap them? Right? Okay, let's keep going. Therefore, his people return to this, pl- this place and in waters of abundance are drunk by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They, they have increase in wealth. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. I love that. He's going, you know, why would I serve God? They're not serving God. And they're fine, right? God is not fair. This isn't fair. Someone told me one time, they said, what God should have done is God should have made all the Christians rich and all non-Christians poor. And I said, but then you really wouldn't love God. You just would love the stuff. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. But anyway, okay, that was the perspective, the thought. Uh, Verse 14. For I have been stricken all day long and chasing every 
morning. So what the psalmist is saying, Asaph is saying, I'm serving God as a priest, and I'm just, I'm doing what God wants, and I'm doing what God wants, and I'm doing what God wants, and, and they're not. And, and here I am still doing what God wants. And I look out there, and these guys are so blessed. I mean, they're doing so well. They're enjoying their lives. They mock God. They don't care about God. They're arrogant. They're proud. They could care less. And here I am doing what God wants and doing what, and he goes, man, I think it's better to be over there than it is to be over here. That's a parallel view of the world that we live in, right? But then something happens. Let's keep reading. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I should have betrayed the generation of thy children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. So what happened? He was looking at this from a parallel perspective, and then God gave him this heavenly view, heavenly vantage point. When I looked at this from the heavens perspective, I looked down from God's view or vantage point. I saw something different, and this is what he says. Then I perceived their end. Surely thou dost set them in slippery places. Thou dost cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment, they are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream, when one awakens, O Lord, when aroused, when thou wilt despise thy form, when my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. And I was like a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast taken hold of my right hand. With thy counsel, thou wilt guide me, and afterward receive me to the glory. Whom have I have in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from thee will perish. Thou hast destroyed all those who are unfaithful to thee. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all thy works. You see the difference? When you look at it from heaven's viewpoint, God says, no, no, they're on the slippery slope. You don't realize it. That is not a way to live your life. That is a, that's rocky soil. Here's what you don't know. You don't know what's on their, brain, on their hearts. Every day, you don't know what's on their mind. They fear death. They're, they're slipping. They're slipping every day. And you're on solid ground. And the psalmist said, ah, I didn't know that. And then he says, you know what? Yeah, serving God is, is the only way to go. And, and there's no other way to go. And he says, the nearness of God that is my good. So what is good to you? You know, you think about the greatness of the world, and you look at the world, and then you ask yourself, boy, they sure have it good. Well, what is good to you? Good has to be the nearness of God. And if that's not what's good to you, you've got to go up to heaven and take a look at what's going on on the earth from a heavenly vantage point so that you can change your perspectives of life. So, how do we keep a positive, maintain a positive mental attitude today? Well, we start with serving. Be a good servant of God. Our time's up, so thank you for your, uh, your participation tonight and your ears. We'll have a devotional and a prayer and a few announcements in just a moment. Appreciate uh, your blessings. Thank you.